the volume. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Colin Cowherd Podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. We're going to have a great guest in 10 minutes, Steve Keim, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, who fired his coach and let go of his quarterback one year after drafting and hiring both, made a quick pivot, and he's turned the Arizona Cardinals around. I love guys like that. You know, I got about 10 minutes here on John Gruden. So I worked briefly with John Gruden at ESPN. He reminds me a lot of Bobby Knight, who also worked at ESPN. So let me tell you a story about Bobby Knight and Gruden, who, as they lost their power, um, increasingly lashed out at others. So Bobby Knight worked at ESPN for years, was legendarily difficult. He would only work and surround his, himself with people who kissed the ring. Because he could retain his power that way. You had to revere him, treat him with a certain level of respect. Bobby would only work with people who bowed down to Bobby to make him feel powerful. And as Bobby Knight started losing power and losing games and losing esteem later in his career, he was a really insecure guy who could no longer bully people. People didn't take him seriously. People mocked him. And he wasn't a winning basketball coach at the end. And it's very difficult when you've had power and you start to lose it. And sometimes men or people get desperate trying to retain it. So Bobby Knight, one time, they scheduled him for my radio show, The Herd at, at ESPN Radio. And I said, fine. They said, there are certain questions you can't ask him. And I said, no, 
I'll ask him whatever I want to ask him. Bobby's not going to control the interview. The show's called The Herd, not the, not the guest. I'll control the interview. Bobby wouldn't do it. So he went on Mike and Mike, a show that was more than willing uh, or certainly more willing to allow Bobby certain liberties. I wouldn't do it. With Gruden, I had him on one or two times, but there were similarities with Gruden. When I go back and look at Gruden's career, like Bobby, is that Gruden only worked with a finite number of people at ESPN, a certain executive who would kiss the ring, a handful of producers or coworkers who would kiss the ring. And so like Bobby Knight, as Gruden became a losing football coach in the NFL and moved further and further away from the Super Bowl, he started lashing out his people who didn't adore him or he viewed as a threat. I'll give you an example. So in these emails, he's ripping Roger Goodell. Well, Gruden was at his height in Oakland from 98 to 2001. He was boy genius. And then in Tampa from 2002 to about 2004 and five. At the end, remember, he stayed until 2008, but he was losing at the end. So when Roger Goodell became commissioner in 2006, boy wonder was boy blunder. And Goodell didn't take kindly to old school losing coach Gruden on TV, often ridiculing him behind his back. John had a history, was pretty well known. This I can verify, kind of bad mouthing people who he saw as threats or in the way behind their back. He did that at ESPN. And then you go to Demora Smith who is negotiating 2011. And John Gruden is now, you know, he's lost games. He's been fired. He's just a TV guy. And Demoris Smith, educated Virginia law, worked under Eric Holder, attorney general. John saw him as a threat because Demoris Smith wanted a less violent game to protect the players. And again, you're usurping power from John Gruden. This is where Bobby Knight and John Gruden are very similar. They're powerful. They're adored and beloved. As they start losing and lose that power, they lash out to people who are a threat and people that are not going to allow the NFL to run the way John sees it fit are a threat. And this is why Gruden struggles to adapt. And it kind of fascinates me. What I saw with those emails is a terribly insecure guy. And if you go look at the timeline of when a lot of these angry emails surfaced and who they're directed at, they are directed at people that are not willing to give John a pass, don't believe in his narrative, aren't going to elevate his power base. The NFL's gotten, by the way, much more analytical. John's much more raw, raw. There's a way to play the game. The world is requiring John and guys like Bobby Knight to be more tolerant, to be more thoughtful. If you look at Gruden's career and you look at Bobby Knight's career, it's largely the same. They're big, maybe in the 80s, right? It's, it's the 90s and the world changes and they start losing and people don't open doors for them and people don't shudder in fear and they lash out at those people. So, you know, John's approach to football, and let's be honest, he was losing at the end in Tampa, and he was losing in Oakland slash Vegas. John's style is outdated. When you think of great offensive minds, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, Gruden's not considered in that class, and he doesn't like it. And I've always been sort of fascinated. You know, I should have a psychologist on. People in power lose it, and how do they react? And 
to me, Gruden and Bobby Knight, a lot of similar tendencies. Bullies. And once they lose power, the only way to retain it is harshly criticize those who challenge it. And just look at who Gruden took shots at. In fact, in a weird set of circumstances, total coincidence, I dated a woman years and years ago, 25 years ago. Her current husband worked for the Raiders briefly. And I was talking to her about three years ago. She had texted and uh, we were just going back and forth. Really good person. And I said, uh, hey, how's your husband doing with the Raiders? She said, oh, a year after Gruden took the job, he got out of there. It was so toxic. It was so alpha, so ridiculous. And her husband's, you know, a little more analytical, a little smarter person. And that was my first glimpse that it was kind of going sideways in Las Vegas slash Oakland, but almost always ends poorly for people that can't adapt. The NFL's ability to evolve is actually one of its greatest qualities. There's a certain group of men who hate change. Years ago, when they made the penalties for overly violent plays more punitive, a lot of people pushed back. And the NFL would not listen. The NFL has been able to, over the course of 30 years, increase its fan base to 187 million Americans, according to research. And 43% of those are women. The game is safer, more forward thinking, more inclusive, more analytical. Ratings are up. Revenue is up. The game has frankly evolved past John Gruden. And now he is literally out of the league. And I think all of us acknowledge today, look at Gruden's record, last three years in Tampa, first three years and five games in Oakland and Vegas. He hasn't adapted. It's pretty obvious. So how's he retain his power? Uh, I've said this recently um, on the show that I've always appreciated men specifically, because I think women can do this more easily, is admit they're wrong. And Steve Kime's been the GM for seven years, eight years now in Arizona. He's been a scout uh, personnel since 99. And scouts take great pride in getting it right. But Steve did something that you just do not see in the NFL. I can't recall anything like it. He hired a coach and drafted a quarterback. And a year later said, all right, that shit ain't working. I'm going to go in a different direction. And Steve joins us. First of all, it's incredibly rare. It is a quality I admire and few have. So you had to make a decision and say, hey, hey this, this isn't working. Do you remember, let's talk first about the coaching situation. Really good guy, but it didn't work. And you go get Cliff Kingsbury. Was there a moment uh, on the coaching situation before we get to Kyler, a drive home, a practice, a game when you said, this young coach I hired, I just don't think it's going to work. That's a great question. And, and, and I don't know that it was, um, one specific point, Colin. I think it was just through the experience, um, of the time that we had spent together and, you know, in consultation with Michael Bidwell, our owner, uh, he and I had to take a long, hard look at, it. um, and, and probably what was the most difficult part was taking a hard look at the job that I had done. And the first five years of my career as an NFL GM, we won over 50 games. We had a lot of success with Bruce Arians and, and uh, Carson Palmer. And quite frankly, we, we stunk it up. And that is a really difficult pill to swallow. 
Um, and the only way you can grow as a person or as a leader is to self-evaluate and it's humbling. And that's what I had to do. Uh, we had to get our draft picks right and we had to make a change at the top with our coach and feel like we, we got it right, but it was a huge risk to take. And then you bring in Cliff Kingsbury. Did it concern you? Because he's gotten better every year. In fact, my criticism in years one and two was the team was a little inconsistent half to half. And I thought, well, that could be Kyler Murray. He's a kid, kid quarterback. But I, I find the team not just winning. It's not just winning. But the team is more consistent uh, in terms of penalties, in terms of protection. It, the organization feels more consistent this year. Early on, first year, maybe first 20 games, uh, did you have discussions with him? Cliff? half to half, series to series, game to game. I mean, take me through the evolution of his growth. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, another great uh, observation because, uh, again, you know, Cliff coming into the business and learning the NFL game, uh, no doubt that he's a humble guy and can look in the mirror and say, hey, I, I got to improve in these certain areas. But I think even a larger picture, Colin, is when you look at the way your teams build up the makeup of your team. And I felt like this offseason, the one thing that we had to address is emotional maturity. Yes. And when I say emotional maturity, I mean people who can handle success, people who can handle adversity, because both are going to hit you at different times, whether it's games, weeks, months. Uh, and that is the area that I feel like we've grown the most because we've added veterans. We've added draft picks of guys who are emotionally mature, who can handle uh, the tough times, who can handle adversity. And that's really, I think, where as, as a whole, this organization has grown because of the type of people we brought in. So now let's pivot to Kyler Murray. He was obviously exhilarating early. But you had to make a decision with your scouting background since 99 in Arizona. Um, obviously, he jumps off the tape a better athlete than Josh Rosen, but you had to bail on Josh. Was there a conversation or a moment or a piece of tape where you just went, I can't pass up on this. This is somebody I'm going to regret this if I don't make a move on Kyler Murray. Yes. And it was, uh, I'll never forget, I was sitting in my office and I was watching him for the first time. And the first game I started with was Alabama. And if you went back and you watched the Oklahoma-Alabama game, uh, you saw he actually struggled in the first half. They got after him. They rushed him. They didn't protect very well. Had to use his wheels a lot and um, struggled. Second half completely lit him up. Uh, and there was one play in particular where it was almost like a shortstop making a great throw to the first base after getting uh, a ground ball. I'll never forget, he jumped up off of one foot and launched the ball about 55 yards with a strike in the end zone as for a touchdown. And maybe in my NFL career as a scout at that time, 22 years, uh, I had never seen anything like it. You know, I never saw a guy <laughs> that could run full speed and launch the ball off one foot and and throw it with that kind of zip and juice and ball placement. I saw Pat Mahomes do some pretty rare and unusual things, but the way Kyler Murray did it, even though he was five foot ten, uh, to me just was special. And I, I think it's exactly what you said. Even regardless with Josh Rosen, I mean, I think the guy had potential. We took him with the tenth pick overall, um, and kind of like when you sit and you think to yourself, really, the big picture, if, if you were drafting in the NBA and you had Clyde Drexler, but you had a chance to draft Michael Jordan, would you do it? Yes. I mean, that that player, um, Kyler Murray, to me, I thought was a generational talent and I thought was the kind of guy that could propel this organization in the right direction the fastest. 
Steve, um, Elway had a baseball background, Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, uh, and Kyler Murray. Um, you know, Urban Meyer in college said he loved defensive linemen who had played basketball or track, multi-sport guys, athletes, not just big weightlifter football guys. The baseball thing. I, I always say that Russell and Kyler slide like baseball players. Lamar doesn't. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. They slide like football players. Um, do you, did that, was that any part of it? Did you look at Russell, who's a pretty good comp for him and go, man, there's just some things here because my takeaway was, man, Kyler's small. I don't know if this is going to work. Was the Russell Wilson comp a real thing for you? 100%. Yeah. And and I think the Russell comp gave you the confidence that this guy could do it at this level because that's what we do in this business. It's all comps. So the fact that there was never, you know, for Russell, it's, it's, and I'll I'll never forget John Schneider saying this, you know, John said, what's wrong with him other than he's 5'10? He's got big hands. He's got great feet. He can escape. He can throw on the move. He can throw from the pocket. He has great accuracy and touch and he has good vision. Again, all the things you want in a great quarterback other than the fact he's 5'10". He had compensating abilities. And that's the same thing with Kyler, the fact that he's not 6'4 or 6'5". He has compensating traits that you get excited about, the feet, the explosiveness, the arm strength. And their ability to get the ball out of their hands quickly um, with that baseball analogy, you know, you see those guys, it's almost like turning a double play when they, sometimes they'll catch the snap and they're so quick with their release and their footwork. It's like a, a shortstop or a, or a second baseman turning too. You know, when you see that guy flip his hips and get the ball out when they throw those screens, it's amazing. And, and not many guys can do that. Are you ready to amp up the excitement every college football Saturday this year? All right. It's called Colin Cowherd's Saturday Spreads. It's on FanDuel. Free shot at big prices. Really simple. I choose 10 of college football's biggest matchups each week. Make your picks against the spread for each one. And the fans who get the most right win 5000 bucks in prizes every damn week. All right, my picks this week, Texas minus five hosting Oklahoma State. The Cowboys defense is pretty good this year, but I think Texas comes out of that loss feeling really good about who they are. They controlled large portions of that game late against Oklahoma. I'll take the Longhorns to win in cover. I like Carolina at home minus six and a half over Miami. Carolina, the slightly better football team with better momentum. And I'll take Alabama to bounce back, even on the road, after their loss to the Aggies, beat Mississippi State by over 17 and a half. All right, those will be three of the 10 picks. Go to FanDuel.com slash Saturday Spreads. FanDuel.com slash Saturday Spreads. Or you can just download the FanDuel app. Check in, 5,000 bucks every week in prizes. No purchase necessary. Age restrictions apply depending on location. Void where prohibited. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. C-O-L-A-N, so they know I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbookfanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona.
You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You know, um, your background, you played, and I believe Jimmy Johnson took over for the Dolphins, and you were playing back then, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so, obviously, very few players become – some become scouts. Almost none become GMs. And, you know, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. Belichick's obviously the great academic, the situational brilliance, has sort of struggled with skill people fitting into his system. Uh, Jimmy – when when you if I said Jimmy Johnson to you, Steve Kime, what jumped out to you? Take people back that don't know Jimmy. I do. You do. College and pro. What did you learn from Jimmy? What did you see in Jimmy? You've probably reached out to Jimmy more than once in your life. Go back to Jimmy and how he helped it all. Maybe even not verbally, just things you noticed in the way he ran things in Miami. Well, I'll say this, and it was a, just a short period of time because it was about six months and I, I got hurt, but he um, 
You know, I think, I think the way Jimmy was and, and the way the Dolphins were at that time, it was his first year. So to, to be able to change the culture the way he did, you know, and the way he did in Dallas, uh, the way he ran an NFL program, a little more like a college program, you know, with the way they run players, whether you're a veteran or, or a young guy, uh, you worked hard regardless. You know, you didn't have days off and those sort of things. Um, Jimmy made the guys work and I'll never forget, you know, Dan Marino. I'm sure he was used to a certain style with Don Shula when Jimmy came in and became different and, and Dan had to work, you know, like everybody else. Um, but the funny, funny thing is, is, uh, I saw Jimmy, uh, when we played in the NFC championship, I believe it was 2015. And, um, Jay Glazer and Howie Long were making fun of me because Jimmy said hello to me and he didn't remember cutting me. And I said, man, I was such a memorable player that you didn't remember cutting me. <laughs> but I also told me that the great advice that he gave me was, was I, I, I realized as a GM that I never want to sign guys like Steve Kime, those short, stubby armed, you know, overachievers. <laughs> we don't want them. I'll throw this kind of theory at you. So it's been pretty bumpy for Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was a wildly successful college coach. It hasn't been terribly bumpy for Cliff Kingsbury. Um, And and I'll I'll just throw this at. Cliff comes to you in a more humble place. He wasn't as rich. He wasn't as powerful. And that my guess, it's much harder for Urban to be a great listener because he's mostly been directing traffic. When Cliff comes to you having been fired from his alma mater, many people, myself included, said, wow, this is a gamble. So he psychologically has got to be more willing. He, he, he needs help. He needs Steve. He needs his scouts. Take me through what Cliff has been like. Because, you know, now that Kyler has exploded, nobody wants to talk about the coach. Right. But so much of this league is getting a coach that works with his young player. Take me through kind of Cliff – what you've seen, how he's grown as a coach. Yeah, and I think that's a great point is, number one, you have to identify what are your strengths and your weaknesses. And I'm not saying that Cliff has weaknesses, but there are things that he knows that he's good at, and that's calling plays, um, and that's being a head coach of, of, of a football team, not so much saying, I want to micromanage and run personnel. I want to run all of our decisions in the draft, the free agency process. The two GM and the head coach have to share a vision. And, and you have to be on the same page and you have to have that mutual respect. And Cliff is humble enough to be able to say, I, I don't need to uh, be the GM. I don't need to make the picks. Uh, I'll stay in my lane. And when everybody stays in their lane to me, it's when you have organizational success. It's when those lines get blurred to me is when people have issues. When coach wants to be the GM or vice versa, um, we all have to have that mutual respect and understanding. And I have to have the vision of what the coaches want. My job as a GM to me is not to say, hey, these are my picks. No, I want to be do the job where I am supplying the coaches with the necessary tools that they have to have to have success. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I covered the Portland Trailblazers and the general manager was Bob Whitsitt. And he said, you know, be careful, Colin, about labeling players. He goes, you know, some of these guys coming out now, they can play point, they can play the four. LeBron's, of course, the greatest example. And a couple of years ago, you took a draft pick out of Clemson. He was a playmaker, much a little bit like Honey Badger, but I think a stronger player, Simmons and Isaiah Simmons. And, and my takeaway was it's going to take them a while to figure out what he is, but he is something. And you take me back to that pick, your thought process, how it's developed, and perhaps 
maybe that's not a guy that eight years ago that works. But in today's NFL, it kind of works. Take me there with him. It's about matchups, finding their ability to create mismatches, whether it's in the passing game, uh, whether it's running the football. Uh, and to me, the more players that you can find that are hybrids or, so to speak, versatile, uh, I've always felt like you have different late layers of defense. You have the defense front, the middle section, which is your backers, and then the back end. And the more players to me that have versatility on all levels, I like guys that can play inside or outside up front, love to be able to have guys at the second level they all have to be able to cover. The, the day and age of the two-down Mike linebacker doesn't exist anymore because <laughs> people are too smart and they can find them. They'll spread you out and you become an un-Mike linebacker. You become a will. And um same thing with the secondary, to have safeties that can cover, that can invert and play in the slot and can play over receivers. The the real hard part nowadays that you're coming to see is, is I think there's a big discrepancy in the talent at wide receiver versus the the amount of secondary players that are that are talented. When you start getting third and fourth receivers like we have matched up on third and fourth corners, it is a major mismatch. Yes. And that's why you're seeing so many explosive plays, in my opinion, and you're seeing so much yardage, uh, particularly yardage uh, in the middle of the field when you're seeing inside guys and corners that are nickels predominantly facing guys like Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore. Well, that I saw the other day, Carolina went and got C.J. Henderson. They drafted J.C. Horn. Uh, then they went out and got uh, – they traded for another corner. And my takeaway was, yeah, because they're in the division with Brady. Yeah. And Brady's not going anywhere. And you got to have a legit third corner. You know, this this brings up something, Steve. I noticed this years ago. So I like recruiting. I've been following high school recruiting. I'm a dork forever. And I noticed this about eight years ago in California. There were no running backs left. The whole damn state had two. And there would be 60 four- and five-star receivers. And young people generally set cultures, fashion, music, sports. Well, young people know running backs don't get a second contract. I won't be quarterback. I won't be wide receiver. State of California has got two good running backs a year. So to your point, you're taking these Drake London at USC right now as a prime example. That guy's like, hey, man, I'm going to play basketball and make money or I'm going wide out. Right. And it's really fascinating. And I think about this, Steve, all the time is that does it change the way you think? Like, for instance, it's very difficult in the NFL now, Steve. If you have a good quarterback, like Kyler, you're going to have a good offense for a decade, right. as long as you can protect him reasonably. Defenses don't last. Rams are number one. Oh, they're not. Um, you look at uh, there's teams in this league. It is almost impossible, even for two to three years straight, to have a dominating defense. Because if you do have a good corner, if you're paying your quarterback – People will overpay for a good corner. Do you find it harder now? I think it's a reality. It is hard to retain a great defense. Are you? Do you sense this? Do you feel this? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I used to think at one time the hardest positions to find were quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher. Left tackle and pass rusher, you could go back and forth in my opinion. Um, but – now it's to me, corner is one of the hardest. Supply and demand is so tough at that position. And every team in the NFL that, that we're, you know, we're playing against, everybody's looking for them. You know, we're all looking and, and, and the ready list, when you look at that, the guys that you have to sign to try to fill in for injuries and those sort of things, it's become really, really difficult for us. And, um, 
the funny thing is, is a lot of people that worried about our team, particularly locally here, they worried about our corner play. And I'm thinking to myself, we got in week three, four, five, and now I'm looking at the teams that we're playing and their their corners are the same as, as all of them around the league. Everybody's struggling <laughs> at corner. And, unless you're yeah. Jalen Ramsey, I mean, everybody's got some real issues. Yeah. Denver, Patrick Sertan's been a hit for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been a nice hit, mm-hmm. Kyle Fuller. But, um, no, they struggle. They can't score points. When you – you're clearly a guy that – you know, pivoting for you is not difficult. And I always had this theory. People have asked me over my career, oh, gosh, you've been on the air for 30 years. How have you lasted? And I always say fear. <laughs> I have to pivot or I'm out of work. I got to find whatever platform's growing. I'm loyal to platforms, right? For you, you have a great job. There's no school to go to to be a GM. No. Sometimes you lose a GM job. You never get another one. Right. I found early in my career, I think I'm more joyful now, but early in my career, there was this kind of fear like, man, they're they're after me. In your day-to-day life where you're criticized for a draft pick, is it stressful? Do you you sense the stress of it? How do you kind of compartmentalize that and have a joyful life as you deal with with every draft pick, every Sunday, wildly scrutinized, job on the line. Yeah, I mean, I that, that's why I don't sleep at night. I mean, it's truly um, – <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. And, and the thing that's funny that you say, fear, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Whether I, I've won executive of the year and I still wake up in the morning thinking I'm going to get fired. And I think it's probably the roots and where I came from. My, my dad worked for the same company for 42 years as a machinist, you know, humbling beginnings and that sort of thing. And um, it's just the way I'm wired. It's the way I was wired as a player. And – uh, that part is maybe the mental game that I play with myself that gives me the edge because I always think that I have to prove somebody wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult, particularly, and I, I said this about a week ago. Um, if you, if you want to want a popularity, popularity contest, don't become an NFL general manager because whether it's, uh, the players, the coaches, somebody, you, you're going to make people unhappy. And you can't do things to make people like you. Um, you have to make really tough decisions, which are unfortunate. Guys that contracts are expiring or, or trading players. Uh, at some point in time, people feel like they're going to be, um, misled. They're going to feel like you did them wrong. And you, you have to have tunnel vision, block out the noise and feel like you're always doing what's right for the organization, long term health and short term health. There, I feel there's more stability with Arizona. Ten years ago, I didn't necessarily think that. Um, but it seems like you have a good relationship with the younger Bidwell son. I've mm-hmm. only met him once. But take me to your relationship with your owner. Yeah, he's great. And and I think the one thing that's that's great about him, maybe more than anything, is 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 he is um he's in here every day. So he's not out on a yacht. He's not out um you know, just having fun. He's, he's in here working with all, like all of us are. So his blue collar mentality, um, roll up your sleeves. He's not a flashy guy. Uh, and he loves the game. And he, most of all, he loves this organization. So the two coolest things are number one, I started at the lowest level and worked my way to the top, which I think it's myself and Brian Gudikins are the only GMs in the NFL that worked as area scouts wow. with their respective teams and work to become GMs. Uh, and same thing with Michael. Michael was a ball boy at one time. You know, he was, makes jokes about picking up jock straps in the locker room, you know, and now he's the president and owner of the team. And again, um, he's committed to doing the right things and he's passionate about the Arizona Cardinals for the right reasons. Steve, you're in arguably the toughest division 
in sports. Um, when you draft, how much do you think about other teams? Or is it mostly self-identification? Here's what we are. Here's what we're not. I remember years ago, Polian, Bill Polian said, when we got Peyton Manning, we knew we'd have the lead a lot. So we we drafted pass rushers. We knew you'd be chasing us in the fourth quarter. Kyler Murray presents a little bit of that. You're going to score a lot of points. Do you think going forward it will affect your how your vision and how you draft? Yeah, and it's already taken place. I mean, we've already started to sort of uh, formulate our plan around Kyler, drafting Kyler, uh, acquiring Rodney Hudson this offseason. I wanted the strong strength in the middle where you have a guy who – an older veteran who's done it, been there, done it, and um, – can help identify defenses and help Kyler from a mental standpoint early on in the process. And then now all of a sudden you, you look at the perimeter talent we have to go along with Kyler and, and then getting the lead and then also having guys who can rush the passer, guys like Chandler Jones, JJ Watt. Uh, you mentioned Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, you don't want to get into a situation where you're turning down good football players, but there is something to be said about how you build your roster um, and, and how are you going to play your opponents, which, again, you know when you're going to get Russell every year. And there's a lot of stability around the league with some of those guys. And now Matthew Stafford, um, there's a certain way you have to play those teams. You know, when you made that deal for Chandler Jones – you know, Belichick is this iconic guy. He'd burned a lot of people. He'd, he'd made a lot of good trades. Where's their apprehension? Like <laughs> looking behind closed doors. Okay, I'm going up against the wizard because he's been a huge hit for you. You have won that trade. That is not disputable. And for a couple of years, they couldn't generate the kind of pass rush. Right. That was one of the few where you look back a couple of years later and go, Wow. New England misses that player and Arizona stole that player. Do you remember when you where you were when you made that deal and what was going through your mind? I do, because I remember calling him and asking him if um, you know, again, sometimes you just have to spitball because you think to yourself when you're watching the tape, there was no chance they're gonna trade this guy because of how much you like the player, the talent, the position that he plays, how hard they are to find. Uh so, hey, why not throw it out there? I mean, all they can say is no, right? So right. you say, hey, Bill, would you consider moving on from Chandler Jones? And I'll never forget, you know, with Bill's reaction, uh, maybe, you know, I'll think about it. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, really? You know, no different than DeAndre Hopkins or at the time Carson Palmer when I talked to the Raiders. You know, I, I liked what I saw in Carson, even though they weren't winning a lot of games. He threw for over 4,000 yards that year yeah, and thought – Put him in Bruce Arians' offense, vertical stretch in the field. Yeah, it's good fit. And sure enough, it was. So um, when you're making those trades, again, with guys like him and D-Hop and, and Chandler, you know, guys that you think are really good football players, you always wonder, what do they know that we don't? That's, why that's I, right. That's why I always talk about free agency the way I do. In, in general, I truly view it as fool's gold because, it, w w number one, why are they on the, in the, on the market? Two, we don't have intimate knowledge of that player unless we have a coach that coached him at that team. So That's why right. is that team ready and willing to move on from him? And we're putting this type of contract in front of him with this type of guaranteed money. It's scary. That DeAndre Hopkins, that, that day you signed him, did you drive home thinking, holy shit, <laughs> well, we got a guy? It, it was terrifying because uh, we we um, agreed to, to the deal, Bill O'Brien and myself, and the pandemic hit. So a trade is not consummated until you have each player 
pass the physical. So lot, David right. Johnson and, and D hop had to pass physicals. We couldn't travel because of the pandemic. So we had to sit around on pins and needles. Number one, holding the secret that we have Deandre Hopkins coming. And then two, the fact that it's not done until there's a physical. So you're always, you know, praying that this guy is going to pass the physical. Um, and, and thank, thank goodness they both did and it all worked out. But for about a month or maybe even two months, I had to sit on that with nobody knowing, oh. no reports. And truly, there were days where I remember waking up and I remember calling Michael Bidwell and said, we're really getting DeAndre Hopkins, aren't we? You know, like, really? Like, is this really real or am I dreaming? <laughs> I mean, the pandemic was screwy enough. You know, you already had stuff going on in your mind. You were playing games with yourself. So it was pretty difficult. I, I find you to be an incredibly easy guy to root for. Uh, we have a personal Eric Tannenbaum's a buddy of mine. Absolutely. Great, man. great friend of yours. Yep. He just thinks the world of you. And um, if anybody that likes Eric, I love. So, <laughs> Steve, I, I appreciate this. I love when you can educate my audience and share stories. And this has been as much fun in 30 minutes as I can have. I mean, I, let's talk again, please. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Colin. All right. That was fun. That shit was fun right there. I'm not going to lie. That was fun. You don't get to do that on TV or radio. 30 minutes of Steve Kime stories. Can you imagine having a secret on DeAndre Hopkins for 30 minutes? I couldn't keep it. I couldn't do it. I would just at some point, I, my mouth would open and words would come out and it would end up in the paper. At the volume sports, Twitter, Instagram, rate, review, subscribe, YouTube channel too. Talk soon. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.